1, beginning in verses 43 and going through verse 46. The Gospel of John. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee. And He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and all the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Amen. You may be seated. It's an interesting passage for a Christmas message, but it is a Christmas message based on that passage. That phrase in Nathaniel's mouth, can anything good come out of Nazareth, was not something that he coined. It was a saying. Nazareth was a poor community, not well respected. And so, when they told jokes, they told jokes about the Nazarenes. Now, I want to share with you that their name wasn't the way we say it. It was the Netzers from Netzer. Some of them would say Netzereth. That's how we got Nazareth. But the Netzer people were not well respected. And yet, because of Jesus Christ, who hailed from that region, He is now changed that title for us. Something good came from Nazareth. But what Nathaniel asked was, does no good come from Nazareth? Or no good comes from Nazareth, hence the title of the sermon. And it's interesting because we can see that Jesus is good looking back. But on first glance, without knowing who He is or anything of His history, other than His location, a person in that time would say, well, He's probably not who you think He is. Especially if you think He is a Messiah. Now, I looked through Scripture to find some ways to share with you the good that Jesus is. And early in the Gospels, what I saw is we read how Joseph wants to divorce Mary because she's pregnant and he's not the father. In other words, he knows it's not his baby. He wants his hands to be washed from the situation. He wants to do so privately, according to our Gospels. Yet, after Jesus is born... Joseph and Mary are still together. And when Jesus is 12 in the temple, Joseph is still there. You see, if Jesus was not a special child, if Jesus wasn't the child Mary said that He was, or if Jesus really was no good, 
Joseph would not have remained. Remember, the reason he stayed was because he saw and heard from Mary and from an angel that this was God's Son. But if that was proved to be a lie, there's no reason Joseph should continue to live in the shame of believing that's true and professing that statement. So he stayed, which means something good was seen by Joseph in Jesus. Now we look at Nathaniel. Nathaniel is out and about, and Philip has seen Jesus and comes to talk to him about it. But before all that, let's scroll a few days previous. We get the unwritten, unheard rest of the story that is transpiring before Philip sees Nathaniel, before Nathaniel meets Jesus, and before Jesus meets Nathaniel. You see, we hear that Philip calls Nathaniel to come and see Jesus, and Jesus tells him something. We don't know when it happened, but it was before this time. You see, Nathaniel was under a fig tree. Now, it would not be a relevant story to just see someone standing under a fig tree. There are fig trees there. There are all sorts of trees everywhere you go, except for maybe the middle of the Sahara Desert or something like that. But to see someone under a tree is no big deal unless something is happening under that tree. Tradition tells us that he was crying out to God under the fig tree. That he was broken as a man. And he cried under that fig tree many times, but no answer ever came. Much like the 400 years of silence between the Old and New Testament, when people asked for a Messiah and a sign from God, and none came. Nathaniel under the fig tree crying out, Help me! Send your Messiah! Come! Lead this nation! The Romans are ruining it. They're ruining everything. Help me! Help somehow! Because we learn that Nathaniel is not a person who's bitter. He's a man after God's heart. He just doesn't know what God wants for him. But he really wanted to see a Messiah and he kept praying, God, let me see the Messiah. Let me see the Messiah. And he prayed under a fig tree. And I believe that he was a kind who wanted to give up, but he just couldn't. Because he knew God was faithful. When Philip came to Nathaniel after his time of prayer that day, he told him that he had met the Messiah. His name is Jesus. And in the Gospel, it is the only place ever in John chapter 1 where Jesus is called the son of Joseph. Did you know that? He's son of man, son of God, and son of Mary. Son of Joseph. Philip gives honor to Jesus. 
does not consider him to be an illegitimate child of Joseph. Rather, his son. And he says, he's the one the prophets spoke about and wrote by Moses in the law. And he's from, his name is Jesus and he's from Nazareth. And Nazareth, as soon as he said it, after all these credentials, then he says, son of Joseph. He didn't say son of Mary because that would have been an insult. Which is how they insulted Jesus later. To say, you don't have a father. To bring shame on him. He said he's the son of Joseph. And why did he do that? Because if he would have said the son of Mary, Nathaniel would not have gone. He would not have believed that the Messiah, the King of Kings, the Lord who would come to save Israel would be a child without a father. He would not have gone. And that's why Nathaniel only spoke of the one thing in what Philip said that seemed negative. Can anything good come out of that community? We hear that a lot, don't we? Nothing good comes from there. They're up to no good. All they want to do is take. And Philip says, the three words on the bottom of the screen, come and see. He doesn't try to convince him that there's good in Nazareth. He doesn't try to tell him that Jesus is more than what He's said so far. He doesn't throw out all this invitational stuff and junk to fill His head. He just says, come and see. You make up your mind for yourself. But we know who He is. Do you understand that it's very difficult for a non-believer to understand who Jesus is? Very difficult. But what would be a better Christmas message today than to know that something good came from Nazareth and it happened in a manger? Not in a delivery room. Not in this great, fancy place where you would think the King of Kings and Lord of Lords should be glorified from birth. He was laid in a manger, a feeding stall. Talk about humble. What good could come out of a manger? <laughs> but we know what good happened in a manger. And we know that something amazing, better than good, occurred on Calvary. And that something miraculous changed history on the first Easter morning. And we can bear witness to this fact, though, only when it has happened and transformed our lives as surely as it transformed the shepherds, the travelers from the east, and Mary and Joseph. But it also transformed Andrew, Peter, and Philip so that they found their friend Nathaniel and said, come and see. There's something happening here. But who was this Jesus? You see, He didn't come from a place of decency and Nathaniel didn't know who Jesus was so he went to see if his brother was right or wrong. Now by brother, I mean in the faith. So it tells us in the Acts chapter 4 about Jesus. 
that there is salvation in no other name under heaven given by which we must be saved. Talking about Jesus Christ. There is no salvation any other way. Come and see Jesus if you would like salvation. Oh no, I'll try something else. There is no something else. If Nathaniel would have known that, he would have gone quicker. But I promise you that if you do not believe in Jesus Christ and people who do not believe in Jesus Christ are keenly unaware that there's no salvation anywhere else. They dismiss Jesus. But Scripture tells us in Philippians chapter 2, verses 8-11, through 11, that every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess Jesus is Lord. It says, being found, this is Jesus, being found in appearance as a man. Not a man of high esteem, but from a poor community. He humbled Himself. Do you hear this? God humbling Himself and became obedient to the point of death, let alone humility, even the death of the cross. A shameful way to die. Let me flip to it. It's on the screen as well for you. But it also says that He took a form of a man. And when He did, it says that one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Of those in heaven, of those on earth, and of those under the earth. And that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Now let me, let me break this down for you. Because we read this and we think, well that means people who believe in Jesus are going to confess He's Lord. That's not what it's saying. It says, every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, it'll be either willingly or unwillingly. It'll be after the fact, after it's too late, or ahead of time. By choice or by compulsion. I was talking to someone about this verse the other night, and uh, I said, you know, I just had an idea. And they said, what's that? I said, well, you know that verse that says, every knee shall bow? I said, yeah. I said, uh, deer have knees. They have tongues. Dogs have tongues. Our dog has a wicked tongue. <laughs> you don't know what I mean by that? You get close enough, you'll have a bad. For about an hour, you know, or a little longer. But you won't feel clean. <laughs> I promise. But he has knees too. Yes, he does. Um, cypresses have knees. Didn't know that, did you? Cypress knees. Yep. Every knee in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And we just want to talk about people. Every angel. Even the devil has a tongue. Well, you say, well, I don't know. He's a silver-tongued devil, hello. Yeah. <laughs> he is a speaker of lies. That means he has a tongue. And he will confess one day and bow and say, Jesus, you are Lord. Oh, he doesn't like that. I promise you the demons don't like to believe because when they do, they shudder. 
But they don't confess that He's Lord. You understand the difference, don't you? Believing and confessing are a couple different things. But I want to share with you something I think you'll appreciate. It was this Jesus that everything that's created that has ability to praise God either by bowing or by speaking will give honor to. So let me ask you a question. How could Nathaniel be so dismissive about the Lord of all creation? What good could he be? Can't be any good. How can anyone dismiss Jesus Christ? I'll tell you how. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3, it says we cannot call Jesus Lord unless the Spirit reveals Him that way. It's on the screen. No one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now you say, wait a minute. I can say Jesus is Lord all day long, even if I don't believe in Him. It says, say, but it means call. It means ascribe. In other words, saying it and calling Him that are two different things. Sure, when I was a kid, I said, well, Jesus is the Son of God, you know, says it in the Bible. Jesus is Lord of Lords, I read that in the Bible. He's the Savior of the world, you know, He's, he's Savior. Everybody can say it. Even demons say, Jesus Christ, Son of God, what have I to do with you? Why are you tormenting me? They can say who He is. It doesn't make Him such. Calling someone Lord is out of conviction that there is... Listen to this. This is the most important thing I'll probably say this morning. There's no other that you can call Lord. And that you will call Lord ever but one. You're Lord. That means I have no other Lord. There's only one Lord. One God, one Father, one Son of God who is in us and died for us. There's only one. If He's not your Lord, then you have a different Lord. But you have one. You can say, oh no, the Greeks, they had lots of them. They had lots. No, they didn't. They had gods. They had gods, not lords. They resisted authority. They did not come under it. In Matthew it says, you cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot have two masters. You'll either hate one and love the other, or you'll be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. That mammon word means earth or anything that is not God. If Jesus is your Lord, then nothing else gets precedent in your life. You say, well, you know, He's my Savior. That's not the same as saying He's your Lord. Well, He's my Lord. I gave Him my heart. It's not the same as Him being your Lord where whatever He says you will do without question. And you'll be obedient to the point of death regardless of cost. Lordship is not what we call it by saying, oh, He's the one that redeemed me, therefore He's my Lord. He's also the one who owns you. That what He says you will do, where He sends you will go, what He tells you you are, you are. 
And you will not debate, discuss, or discourage yourself in otherwise believing something different. Oh, uh, no, come on. That, that's, no, that doesn't mean that. Yes, it does. You cannot have two masters. Either Jesus is truth or He's not. He's either Lord or He's not. And if He's not, then somebody else is on the throne room of your life. And for most of us, it's ourselves. What we want, when we want it, how we want it, where we want to go, what we want to do, we dictate without consulting the king because we believe we are the royalty. Well, we're an adult. We can make our own minds. But if you think that way, to miss that is to miss the kingship of Jesus. See, it's clear to a believer that this world has nothing attractive in terms of lordship. This world can't give me anything better than what Jesus offers me. It just can't offer you anything but this world and its attractions or its relationships. Nothing else can this world give you. That's all it's got. Jesus has it all. He's over it all. The temptation of the devil to Jesus was fall down and worship Me and I'll give you all these nations to rule over. And Jesus says, I will not worship you, but God. And what you're giving Me isn't a good enough offer. You don't have enough to get Me away from God. God's going to give Me everything and you're going to give Me four nations? Hello, you can't give me everything. You bow down before me one day. Do you think I'm going to exchange that for what you're offering? <laughs> and it's the temptation we all get that this is the best that it gets. That this world is all there is and all there is to offer. That nothing else good is going to come but what we got now. If that's the case, we're in a bad boat going down a river. If the world and its trappings are it. I have a friend, good friend, his name's Alan. I asked him this morning if I could tell this story. He said yes. Alan had a really difficult struggle with his family, with his life for many, many years. I met him when he was pretty much a broken man. Alan was losing his marriage. Kids didn't respect him. Children by many different people. Just not well respected in terms of holiness. <laughs> of living out a righteous life before God. Oh, he, he knew Jesus was God and Lord and all that. But... He didn't live that life. He lived a different life. Alan was broken. And one day, in the midst of seeing all his life, flush away, falling away, believing that his marriage was over to the woman that he had over, that his children would no longer want to be a part of who he was, although this man was wealthy, he just couldn't buy happiness. All that this world could offer did not make him happy. 
And the one thing that he wanted was his wife was leaving for good. He said he got down on his knees. I love this story. In his bedroom. And surrendered. He cried out before God. And said, God, it's all yours. I, I messed it up. There's nothing I can do. I'm Lord of my own life and I've messed it up. You be Lord of it all. I have nothing. And he bawled his eyes out before God. Following Sunday goes to church. They're leading worship. Song leader leading worship. In the midst of it, he walks down out of the stage. Never met the man. First time in the church. Walks down. Walks right up to my friend and says, I saw you, says God, when you were crying in your bedroom. I heard your tears. Let me tell you what happened next. Alan got a king. He got a Lord. He got a Messiah. And his life is transformed. And now, God has given him back his marriage. His kids, his respect, his long lost children are now come home. They're all seeing the change. He's a witness and leads a ministry in Paducah. And people say, Wow, you're just great. And he goes, It's not me, it's God. He gives all the glory to God. Do you understand? This man who came down and said to his face, uh, I saw you crying in your bedroom, I heard your cry. This man didn't know him. This man never comes off stage and goes down and does that. It's not his title. He's not a minister. He's just playing the guitar and he comes down. Walks straight through the crowd. 500 people to him. Do you understand? Specifically said, I saw you crying. Nathaniel walks up to Jesus. The rest of the story. The next day. And he expected to see somebody who didn't care, who was no good, rags and stuff, and he takes his brother's advice and comes and sees him. And Jesus caught him off guard and he said, I saw you under the fig tree. Let me ask you a question. What difference does it make if Jesus saw somebody under the fig tree unless something significant was happening? You see, before he said that, he saw Nathaniel come and he said, Here's an Israelite, truly, a man after God's heart. There is no wickedness in this man. And Nathaniel says, How do you know me? How do you know me? And that's when Jesus says, Before Philip called you, under the tree I saw you. I saw you. And listen to what Nathaniel says. Rabbi! He went from no good to rabbi in one sentence. You are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. You are. Why? Because Jesus saw him 
and knew Him. And what He needed and what was falling apart in His life. And what He needed to hear to know that Jesus is who He says He is. Friend Nathaniel, it was a Christmas morning of sorts. The prayer and cry of his heart under the fig tree was answered. It ushered Jesus straight to the throne room of his life. Come and see. He went and saw. You see, Jesus is either Lord to you or He's inconsequential to you. There is no two ways about it. He's not satisfied with just being some part of your life. One day, sooner or later, you will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And you will bow before Him. But you'll either do it sooner willingly or later under extreme duress and distress. Today I'm Philip. And I'm telling you, I found the Messiah. I found the King. I've met Him. He knows me. And I believe He knows you just as well. And I believe when you cried in the night, and you prayed and said, God, are you there? That He saw you. That He heard you. And today, I'm saying, come and see. We all just want to come and receive it. He's saying, come and see who this is. I'm saying to you, come and see. Seems like a very simple thing to do, doesn't it? Come and see. It is. I promise you. But once you see Jesus, not what people have told you He is, you're going to say, you're my King. Now, now you say, wait a minute, what do you mean? Let me point this out to you in the text from today. And we miss this because we're too busy reading the story to get to the next part. Do you remember what Philip said? He said, We found of Him whom Moses and the law and all the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Here are the credentials. Written by Moses and the law and the prophets. He's Joseph's son and he's from Nazareth. These are the things that matter to Philip. He's the one the Bible talks about. He's that one. So, when Nathaniel believed, did he say, yeah, you're the one the Bible talks about. Uh, you're the one from Nazareth. You're Joseph's son. Is that what he said? No. He saw Jesus differently, didn't he? Because Jesus saw him differently. He said... Rabbi or teacher, you're the Son of God. Nowhere did Nathaniel say he was the Son of God until that moment, and Philip didn't tell him. Nobody told him. Do you get that? Nobody said he's the Son of God, and nobody said he's the King of Israel. In that moment, he knew Jesus. When you see him, you know who he is to you. 
He's the one who sees you, who knows you, who does not give up on you, and who has come in any way possible to remind you that He's come for you. I want to close with this story about a Christmas event that happened a few years ago. I used to wonder what was so important about Jesus in the manger and and what would cause that to be significant. Well, I want to pick him up here and hold him. Do you feel threatened by a baby? Do you feel like if you see a baby, oh, it's a baby! No! What's the natural response when a baby is placed in your arms? To hold it. To receive the baby. Jesus came, I believe, as a baby because some people can't handle lordship right away. They have to receive him in ways he can be received. One church I was at, I passed the baby Jesus around. It was life size. And I said, What are you going to do with the baby? What are you going to do with Jesus? And each person I invited to hold it, pass it to the next person for a few seconds, say whatever you want to say. I don't know if I ever told you what those folks said. But I listened. I didn't say anything while they did. Just holding the baby, they're going, I love you. Thank you. And pass it to the next one. Wow. They would say, wow. You came as a baby because you knew I'd be afraid of a man. You knew I'd be afraid a man would hurt me. Another person grabbed the baby and said, "Uh, I always just thought you were somebody way up there, but you really came to be just like me. Like my own child. And God gave you to me. <coughs> Jesus wants you to know that He is as unique to be to you. And I don't mean as in an ATM machine, an answer to prayer machine. I mean that to you that needs to know who God is. That God can come to you in ways you can receive Him. Until Jesus is established firmly in your life as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, to you He is no good. There's nothing you can do with Him. We have people all around the world that say Jesus was a prophet, Messiah, but He wasn't the Son of God because they don't know Him. And until you do know Him, He's just a, you know, God's son came to save the world. And it's all out here. It never enters here. Head knowledge will never get you a king. It's when your heart is warmed. And you do what I believe Nathaniel did that day. <coughs> I don't think Nathaniel could stand in his presence. I really don't. When he said, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you know the customary form of under a fig tree praying is? He wasn't praying like I did. Like, uh, thank you, Lord. Send us the Messiah. Send the King. Send it. He's like this. God, God, I've been here under this tree for years. You don't even see me. 
You don't even know me. I just wish you'd send your Messiah. Our nation is under Roman authority. We're getting destroyed. We can't trust the government. We can't trust neighbors or friends. It's such a hostile world. God, why don't you give me a sign? Give me a sign. Give me a sign. He stands up and his brother says, He sent him. <coughs> and what does he say? He says, Oh, I've been praying that not like this. Mm-hmm. Not, not that guy. Not someone who's born of somebody I know. Not someone from that community. Can't be that person. No, I, I can't believe that. That God would actually reach me through a common thing. Like a baby. Mm-hmm. Like a sign or a song on the radio. Mm-hmm. Or someone saying, God still loves you. Or a pastor on December 18, 2016 saying, God sees you. Oh no, God, I need something bigger. I need something more. That's what Nathaniel said. And then when he saw Jesus, saw you down there, under that big tree, and Nathaniel said, nobody was there. I was alone. Only my buddy Philip knows where I pray. Nobody knew where I was at. Nobody. He says, and you were there. And you are God. Because you heard my voice and you weren't there. But you were. When that happens, you know He's God. I'm saying, you need that to happen. To know He's God. That He's Lord. Before you have to confess by the rest. When it's too late. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank You for seeing us, for knowing us, for knowing our cry of our hearts. God, Israel cried out for 400 years and we get discouraged after one prayer, maybe two. But thank You, Lord, that Nathaniel didn't quit. He didn't give up. And when he heard You were coming in the form of Jesus Christ, he just wasn't sure until he met You. All doubt removed. And on his face before you, he said, You are my Lord. You are my King. You are the Son of God. And for me, I will never question that again. You are my King. Heavenly Father, I ask each one of us our hearts here who need to know that you see us. That this morning... The invitation would be received. May we come and see. Amen.